Hello, it is Monday, March 15th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Gonna jump right into things today. I got my notes here, and first thing I want to talk about is the interview that Dana White did with BT Sport. I think it was late last week. And a couple things I want to touch on here and comment on that White spoke about. The first is when he was asked about what he needed to hear from yet another conversation with still UFC lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov. And I think this was the most blunt White has been about this this topic. And I think it was the most revealing that White has been about this topic. And his comment was, when asked again, when asked what he needed to hear from Nurmagomedov in a, and like I said, another conversation about his retirement. And White said, it doesn't matter. All these guys got to fight each other anyway. And he was speaking about the one through nine ranked fighters in the lightweight division. And why I think this is the most revealing is because the first, uh, the first sentence here, it doesn't matter. This has not been about and has and will never be about Nurmagomedov really my my thinking is this is this has been and will always be about getting Conor McGregor a title fight but better than that getting Conor McGregor the lightweight title the expectation was that McGregor was going to run over Poirier and then White would go about saying all right well now McGregor will fight Habib for the title or or if Nurmagomedov is still retired will vacate the title and McGregor will fight for the title which anyone that has been following the UFC knows that the goal here is money and the money fight at lightweight is McGregor versus whoever and if it's Nurmagomedov that's even more money if it's not Nurmagomedov it's still a lot of money and so I think the uh, I think we're getting we're inching closer to White just saying what the truth is, and that that is he wants McGregor to fight for the lightweight title. It's clear as day. It's clear as day. Otherwise, you would have booked Dustin Poirier for a title shot against perhaps Charles Oliveira, but we're not hearing about that. We're hearing now that the top nine guys in the lightweight division all have to fight each other to decide who is going to either fight Nurmagomedov, who is retired but still the champion for some reason, or I don't know what's going to happen. But why that? Why why do all the lightweight top nine have to fight each other to decide who's going to fight for the title? Why this division? Why just the lightweight division? Why... When Henry Cejudo gave up his title, didn't the top nine have to fight for the chance to fight for that title? Why, when John Jones gave up his title, why didn't the top nine in the light heavyweight division have to fight for that title? Well, the, sim- the reason is simple. There is no one that can make the UFC as much money in those weight divisions as Conor McGregor can make the UFC in the lightweight division. And that's what it boils down to. I mean, we we need to stop. We still need to stop fooling ourselves that this is anything but a money grab for the UFC and the desire to get Conor McGregor a 
a title shot. It's going to be very interesting to see how this all shapes up. So say the money's not good enough for Poirier to fight McGregor a second time, which could very well be the case because remember, Poirier and Ferguson didn't fight because the money wasn't good enough for either of them. So it's very likely that this could happen again. And so does McGregor fight somebody else or does McGregor get a quote-unquote buy in this imaginary lightweight tournament and then just skip right into a title fight? I would hope not, but would it surprise me? Absolutely not. It would surprise me 0% if the top nine all fight, because that's an odd number, isn't it? If the top nine all fight and McGregor just sashays into a title fight without fighting, which makes him fresher, uh, better trained, less injury, all that jazz. And if Habib's still the champion when this all shakes out, that's great for the UFC. But then it can become, well, we've had he's been the champion and hasn't fought for so long. We need to strip him of the title because he doesn't want to defend that title against, let's just assume, Conor McGregor. And then McGregor fights somebody for the title. So it's all a farce. It looks, from the outside looking in, it looks just pathetic. Because this is the only time this has happened. We've had divisions without champions. And you've had a title fight pretty quickly. And anyone looking to blame Nurmagomedov on this is crazy. He is not holding up the division. Dana White is. Because for some reason, Conor McGregor, these nine fighters all have to fight each other to decide who's going to be the champion. It's bullshit. It's clear as day what the goal is. And we need to just, you know, White needs to just cut through the shit and tell us all what the design is. Because he's not fooling anybody. I'd respect the man more if he would just come out and say, look, I want McGregor to fight for the title because that's what's going to make us more money. Why play games? It makes no sense. But what's frustrating about this is, you know, not not only the fact that these this division has to fight top nine for a title fight, but no other division. And we always hear as well that the the rankings matter. Clearly, the rankings don't matter. All that matters is making money. So... Cut the shit, be honest about all this, and uh, I think everybody will be a lot happier, and everybody will know, you know, what's going on. I mean, we already know what's going on, but it'll just become a little clearer as to who's getting screwed and who's doing the screwing. And it's eight out of those top nine guys, and it's the fans. And it's Habib who wants to retire, but you won't let him because he's going to end up getting some of the blame when this all shakes out because he's probably not going to want to fight the guy that wins this quote-unquote tournament. So it's dumb. It, it's Dana White in a nutshell. It's Dana White. Something else White said during this interview was kind of ridiculous and just uh, more or less stupid again. So he was talking about the DraftKings deal that's worth a reported $350 million, and that's all well and good. The fighters get 0% of that $350 million, 
and if it was another if it was another major sports um, league to for lack of a better term um, like the MLB the NBA or the NFL or the NHL the fighters the athletes would get approximately half of that because it's written into the collective bargaining agreements that the athletes get close to and it's it's all defined in the in the contracts there is an actual percentage number close to 50% of the revenue and this is nothing if not all revenue for the UFC so that 350 million when you shake it out if it does 350 million all goes to the UFC and none of it goes to the fighters. So that's one thing that pisses me off about all this. But here's what pisses me off a little more. And this is what White said. We'll have announcements this year that will take the sport and the brand to a whole new level. Every year we continue to climb. The DraftKings deal is massive for us to be now looked at as the other big sports, NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. That's always been important to me. I emphasize me. For those, for these athletes to be respected and and at the level these other athletes are at, we're finally there where they're now. Now, the, the simple reply to all that, all of that is no. The DraftKings deal, draft deal is massive. That part's true. For us to be looked at as the other big sports, that part is not true. Why would a deal with DraftKings make the UFC looked at as the other big sports? It, it wouldn't. Why would it look make the athletes look like they were accepted or that they were on the level of the other big sports? They are not. And the part where it's been important to Dana White, that's true because now this is all image for him. The athletes aren't respected at that level. They're not there. They are not close to there. Look at the starting wages for every other major, uh, the other um, sports that are mentioned NBA NFL Major League Baseball all of them are I think in the uh, around the half million dollar level or more what do you start at in the UFC 12,000 and you have to pay your agent your gym your food your training your medicals all come out of that the UFC is not close to any of these other sports not even close, but yet White is saying that they are because of a DraftKings deal? It doesn't make any sense. Until the UFC starts paying its fighters a percentage of the revenue that is equal to or close to what these other sports pay, which is 50%, the UFC is always going to be looked down upon. The athletes are always going to have to work second jobs. It's just the way it is. UFC does not pay its fighters enough. Just from a strict revenue split look at, at things. It's not even close. It's not even half. If you, if you do the math from what we've seen from the work that John Nash and, and Paul Gift and Jason Cruz have done in the antitrust lawsuit, we see that the split is more than 80% to the UFC, less than 20% to the fighters. Everyone else is close to 50. UFC is not paying its fighters half as much as all the other sports get in revenue. Not in wage, because wage is different. Even if the revenue split was close, everyone would be making out much, much better. But 
this DraftKings deal is going to put the UFC on par with all these other leagues. It's not. It doesn't. It's only important to Dana White because it only puts money in the UFC's pocket and Dana White's pocket, and none of it goes down to the fighters. So spare me, spare us all the bullshit that this deal is good for anyone other than Dana White and the ownership group because it is not. I, I listen to um, one of the podcasts I listen to every week is weighing in with John McCarthy, John McCarthy and Josh Thompson. I think they do a pretty good job um, of breaking fights down and speaking about the business side of things a little bit. I mean, they've both been involved for a long, long time, and they do good work, I think, on, on their podcast. They do very good work. One, But I want to talk about a couple of things that Josh Thompson um, and McCarthy said on this, on this last podcast. Um, Josh Thompson, and this was in relation to, I think, the knee in the Anders-Darren Stewart fight where the doctor came in and stood Stewart up had him walk to him. I didn't. I didn't. I don't remember how the walk looked. Thompson said it looks fine. I, I'm going to defer to his judgment. He's been there. He's seen things. He's done things that you know. I I, I can't really comment on there. Uh, but he said that the fighter should be asked, and not the doctor or the referee, because. It's that fighter's career. And I think the referee made the, I'm sorry, the doctor made the decision in this that, that Stort could not continue. I, I, and one of the reasons that Thompson gave was because you're messing with their money, the fighter's money, and, the, and the, their ability to get their win bonus. And, okay, I understand that. There's two issues I have with this. The first one is the easy issue, and that is the fact that the win bonus shouldn't even be there. It's made up. Other sports don't get paid half as much if they win or lose. NBA, NHL, NFL, they don't get paid half as much if they lose. They get what's in their contract. So maybe erase the win bonus and just pay people flat so they know what they're going to make and they can better plan their lives and better support their families. But the UFC has established this and other fight organizations have taken the same thing and run with it. And so it, in some fantasy world, people think it makes the fights more interesting. It does not. All it does is artificially keep the wages low, lower than they need to be. All right, so that solves that. Don't ask the doctor. I understand the thinking here. However, I would think that pride and just the thinking that you're the best and you're going to win the fight always, which, which is not crazy because you need to think that if you're going to step inside a closed cage and fight somebody, you need to think you're going to win. If you think you're going to lose, you probably shouldn't be in that sport. So, so pride will get in the way, as will the fact that you just got rocked pretty badly 
and you might not be making the best decisions for yourself. Um, and so I disagree that the doctor um, should make that, shouldn't be able to make that decision. I think the doctor should be able to make that decision because the doctor can make a decision based on what they see as a physician. And it takes the emotion out of it, which I think you need at that point. You need to take the emotion out of it. The fighter's going to be emotional, um, and as as well as not probably thinking as clearly as they can. Now, does that suck for the fighter? Absolutely. But I think you err on the side of safety. But again, like I said, I see Thompson's point here, and I think when you ask the doctor, you also have to take into consideration some other things. The The pay should be evened out so that it's uh, a flat pay. And then you're not losing half your pay. A no contest called by the doctor or disqualification called by the doctor, maybe that is looked at a little differently than a loss where it can move you to the next level of pay because we know if you win, you get you, you bump up usually. And so maybe that's also something that can be done because it's if you're if you cannot continue because of something someone did to you illegally, that's not your fault. Now I could understand if the person that threw the illegal strike they don't get bumped up because they did something illegal. So I think I can see that happening as well. But the person that absorbed the illegal strike, why punish them? But And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. And that's I think that's what Thompson's and McCarthy's beef here is, is that the, the person that got hurt through no, no fault of their own is the one that gets also hurt in the, in the, in the paycheck, which shouldn't be. So uh, if we can somehow work out the, the way to get the pay right, then I think some I think most people will be a little better with the doctor making the decision. I don't think anybody will be one hundred percent okay with the doctor making the decision because, like Thompson said, it's the fighter's career. But I don't think the fighter should be able to make that call. I I just don't. I think you take the fighter out of the equation in the hopes that you don't see a fighter injured more than they need to be injured. But I, like I said, I understand Thompson's point, but I think we're focusing just on the decision and not on a bigger picture. I think we need to look at a bigger picture in this and say these parts all need to be fixed. And then it's better to ask the doctor the uh, how the fight is going to shake out. I'm sure fighters will disagree with that, but I think you always err on the side of caution and on the side of safety. And... Um, yeah, that's what uh, that's what I believe in that case. So we'll see how that all shakes out. Something that I liked also in the during the conversation that Thompson and McCarthy had was that they noted that Tony Ferguson is now training at least a little bit with Freddie Roach, and he's also having more uh, advanced grapplers and wrestlers and other folks come to work with him. And this was one of my issues with Ferguson after his latest loss was that he's been running his camps and now he's at a point where raw talent is not enough to get him to the next level. 
he's at a point where he probably needs coaching, needs structure, needs better training. And I said after the loss that if he doesn't get that, I think he's reached the end of his road. Um, by reaching out and changing things, I think I think Ferguson has come to realize that you know you can't just do it on your own after a certain point. And I think he's realized he's reached that point. And I'm not willing to write him off just yet. I know a lot of people have said that with the two losses that it looks like it's over. But Tony Ferguson is an incredibly talented fighter. And if he got that far, as far as he is now, just on training himself and doing whatever he wants, I think he can you know, maybe extend his... Uh, career and his success a little longer by adding these wrinkles to his training. I think he needs to keep doing that, though. I think he needs much more structure. Uh, I think he needs to stop running his own camps. I think he needs a coach, a head coach that directs him on a daily basis. But I am happy to see that he's at least making some changes. Um, because, yeah, Tony Ferguson's a talented fighter and if he's, like I said, if he's gotten this far just on raw talent and training himself, I think there's improvements that can be made by involving others. I also think that he needs a full-time coach, but I don't know if he'll get there. We'll see what happens with his next fight, which is supposed to be against Benal Darius. If he loses, I don't know what happens to him now. Does he get cut? Because that'll be three losses. Or does he get at least one more chance? Um, if I'm Ferguson, I'm doing everything I can to not even get close to a loss. And but and one of the things to do is what he's doing, changing things up a little. I would change things up more, though, like I said, and build a team. And my job at that point is to train and be coached. I don't know if that's in Ferguson's personality. We'll see as the if the fight gets officially booked and gets closer, if he's going to do that. But just adding these little wrinkles, I think, is a uh, is a good thing for Tony Ferguson. We'll see how it goes, though. And on that note, I'm going to call it a day. i probably be back tomorrow. We'll see. Until then, everyone stay safe. <laughs>